ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय As it is, translation and commentary by His Divine Grace Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, founder Acharya of ISKCON, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Chapter 6, verse number, let's just see. 25, yes. Chapter 6, verse 25. Shanai, Shanai, Ruparamid, Buddha, Dritigahita, Nakinchit, Apichinta, Gradually, step by step, one should become situated in trance by means of intelligence sustained by full conviction, and thus the mind should be fixed on the self alone and should think of nothing else. Purport, by proper conviction and intelligence, one should gradually cease sense activities. This is called pratyahara. The mind being controlled by conviction, meditation, and cessation from the senses should be situated in trance or samadhi. At that time there is no longer any danger of becoming engaged in the material conception of life. In other words, although one is involved with matter as long as the material body exists, one should not think about sense gratification. One should think of no pleasure aside from the pleasure of the Supreme Self. This state is easily attained by directly practicing Krishna consciousness. Shanai Shanai Ruparamed Dvitya Buddhi Grihitaya Atma Sangstam Manah Kritva Nakinchit Apichintiyet Gradually, step by step, one should become situated in trance by means of intelligence sustained by full conviction and thus the mind should be fixed on the self alone and should think of nothing else. This chapter is giving direction on the Dhyana Yoga process. Bhakti Yoga surpasses Dhyana Yoga because the object of Dhyana Yoga is who is that person the yogis are supposed to see in meditation is Lord Vishnu. As we were discussing yesterday, the goal of the yogis is simply to see Lord Vishnu and meditate upon him. But the, the mystic yogis, but the bhakti yogis, they uh, directly see Lord Vishnu in the deity form and serve him. So automatically by beginning Bhakti yogi are automatically in a more advanced platform than that of the dhyana yogis. Nevertheless, many of the instructions in this chapter are also applicable to bhakti yogis. Because yoga means the process of taking our mind away from the material contamination and fixing it on the supreme. So many of the instructions in this chapter are also quite applicable in bhakti yoga. Uh, even the posture it's mentioned how one should sit with his back straight. So this is very important in Dhyana Yoga, which is a mechanical process. But even that is useful in Bhakti Yoga. 
For instance, if you if you sit like this, how you your posture also affects your consciousness, and your consciousness also affects your posture. Someone who is someone who is feeling depressed, and they'll be, but someone who's feeling confident, they'll be back straight. So the two things affect each other. If the back is straight, then it will be easier to keep fresh and alive and alert. Whereas if you are drooping, then you are more liable to fall asleep. That's why you shouldn't chant up lying down. Have you ever seen someone lying with their beads? Relax. But that's not proper. You should sit. Actually, you're supposed to sit for jobs. Sometimes our devotees walk. I walk up and down. Prabhupada also used to. So these things are also helpful. Now, the instruction given in this verse, that's also very useful for bhakti yogis. Shanai, shanai. Step by step. In other words, we shouldn't think that I will take to Krishna consciousness and then immediately everything will happen. Sometimes we hear stories of gurus who touch their disciples and then like electric current a flow of they get zapped. A flow of something goes into them and then all of a sudden they have realizations and they collapse being overwhelmed by the electric current coming from the Guru. But actually nowhere in Shastra do we find that the Guru is like uh, an electric powerhouse, 50,000 volts. That's not the qualification of a Guru. Otherwise everyone could just get electrocuted and they could become a Guru. There's some story how one Guru was, he touched his disciple and then the, the disciple fainted, being overwhelmed by the inflow of current. And when he woke up, he saw his guru crying. And he said, why are you crying? You're supposed to be spiritual, spiritually realized. He said, I gave all my spiritual realization to you. So, so now I'm crying because I lost it all. This is, a, this is all nonsense. But rather one should uh, realize that yoga is a gradual process. Gradually you have to learn just like I was giving that example of mathematics, learning mathematics. It's not that when a child, five years old, goes to school, he says, he goes home, what, what did you study? The mother, I studied mathematics. So it's understood that the child wasn't studying mathematics at the level of, that's used in quantum physics, quantum theory. He, he was learning one plus one equals two. So he's studying mathematics. And if he goes on, and if he's, qualified and intelligent and works hard, then by the grace of his teachers at some point in time, he may be doing mathematical equations for solving quantum theory problems. But you can't expect that that will happen very quickly or very soon. It takes time. It takes training. It takes determination. It takes intelligence. These are two qualities which are mentioned here determination and intelligence. To be successful in any endeavor that's worth being successful in requires patience, shanai, shanai, step by step, determination, 
and intelligence. These are qualities needed. These qualities are also um, mentioned in the Upadeshamrita of Rupa Goswami, in which he says, what are the qualities required for becoming advanced in Krishna consciousness? Utsaha, Nisriya, Dharya, Tattat, Kama, Pravartanat, Sangha, Tyaga, Satovrite, Shadbir, Bhakti, Prasidhyati. Six qualities which increase our devotion, enthusiasm, determination, patience, tat-tat karma pravartanat, performing all the prescribed duties, giving up bad association and following in the footsteps of previous acharyas or satovrite can also mean to lead one's life in a very honest, straightforward kind of manner, not to be a cheater or a duplicitous person. So these are some of the prominent symptoms which help a person to become advanced in Krishna consciousness. So, buddhya, here it's mentioned, uh, buddhya, intelligence. So, shanai, shanai, that means step by step, that means patience as recommended by Rupa Goswami. And dhritya, that's also, uh, buddhya, dhriti, the determination. That uh, determination or conviction that's also mentioned by Rupa Goswami, nischayat, that firm conviction and determination. And then buddhya, actually all of these things can become within intelligence. If one is intelligent, he will take to the process of Krishna consciousness and therefore he will remain enthusiastic, he will remain determined, he will carefully follow in the footsteps of the previous acharyas. Everything comes from intelligence, purified intelligence. Intelligence, uh, we, by intelligence we can go to hell, we can go to heaven or we can go to Krishna. So intelligence means what do we, what do we fix our, what is our conviction, what do we fix our consciousness on? Intelligence, that is purified by hearing. If we have contaminated intelligence, then our intelligence will work in such a way that we can go to hell. There are many intelligent people in the world. Sometimes it's said that intelligence is required to come to Krishna consciousness. That's certainly true. But then the question may come that why isn't it that uh, there are so many intelligent people in the world, highly intelligent people, why don't they all take to Krishna consciousness? We see that many people take to Krishna consciousness they're not very maturely qualified, or even not, they may not be PhD material. <laughs> or even if the devotees are materially intelligent, there are others who are more materially intelligent than them who are not interested in Krishna consciousness. So here intelligence doesn't mean the intelligence which is inherited as one's punya karma. It doesn't mean material intelligence, but it means intelligence. What are the functions of intelligence? Uh, the main function of the intelligence on the spiritual level is to discriminate. What is one's own best interest? Spiritual intelligence begins with discriminating between spirit and matter. Someone may be very materially intelligent, but not at all spiritually intelligent. Therefore, he doesn't, he can't see even 
he cannot even begin to make spiritual inquiries. He is described by Sugadev Goswami, Pashan Apina Pashati. Even though he sees that so many people are dying, he doesn't inquire into the nature of reality beyond birth and death. He just takes it for granted that, that, well, when you die everything is finished. It's not a very intelligent thing to say, is it? When you die, everything is finished. Prabhupada was astonished. He met this Professor Kotovsky in Russia, who is undoubtedly a very intelligent person. Otherwise, what's he doing being a professor? It's, you, it's not just, you just can't pick up any, any lout off the street and make him into a professor. You have to be a very intelligent person to be a professor. But when Prabhupada met with him, Professor Kotovsky insisted, as if it was an axiom, as if it was a self-evident fact, that when the body is finished, everything is finished. Now, it isn't a very intelligent thing to say. How can you come to such a conclusion even without making any inquiries? But because their intelligence is covered, even though they are very intelligent, their intelligence is covered by maya, or in the words of Krishna Bhagavad Gita, mayaya aparita jnana. Even though people may be very intelligent, their spiritual knowledge is taken away by maya because they are sinful in the sense that they don't want to surrender to Krishna. Now they may have... If someone is very intelligent, that means he must have performed some kind of pious activities in a previous life. But he, he may have performed some kind of pious activities, but at the same time, he, such a person whose spiritual intelligence is not even slightly awakened, he is basically a sinful person, and therefore his spiritual intelligence doesn't awaken. So how is that? It may seem to be a, a contradiction that someone is... Uh, he's intelligent, that means he has some good result of pious activities, but at the same time we're saying he's sinful because he can't begin to understand spiritual knowledge. Now how this can be understood is just like we see there are many pious kings like Jarasandha. In Krishna Lila we find the person Jarasandha who was a 